Chelsea Disgrace Podcast. Welcome back. So Christmas is coming up soon and I guess they should probably do a podcast of some sort about the holidays or some merry ass shit like that. But um, I wasn't really feeling in the Christmas spirit yet this year until the other week. My mother was sitting in her computer chair at her desk just quietly playing her spider solitaire, sipping on a Rhine Coke like moms do, when all of a sudden one of those, uh, the wheels broke off her chair and I don't just mean like a wheel came a little loose and fell off. Like the entire leg with the wheel attached cracked right off. Like the plastic cracked right in fucking half. So the chair loses balance, but not enough to fall over until another leg slash wheel combo thing cracks entirely in half. And she just went down like a pair of panties on prom night, just falling right into the Christmas tree where she laid there helplessly and still like when you've just been cummed on and... And you just got to kind of chill there until he comes back with a towel. And she's yelling out for my dad, like, Chris, Chris, help me, Chris. I'm stuck in the Christmas tree. Chris, get me out of here, Chris. So the uh, that incident helped to ignite my Christmas spirit a little bit. Uh, it was like one of those Christmas miracles you see in like a shitty low-budget holiday movie on the Women's Network. And I was really stoked that that, that had happened. I think chairs breaking while people are sitting in them is like one of the funniest things you can see. And when I told this to one of my friends, she was like, oh, like, that's not very nice. What if the person's overweight? And then I'm like, well, then it's even more funny because they have a harder time getting up, which is like a second dose of hilarious, like hilariousness. I don't even think that's a word. But um, so you have the, the initial chair break and fall to the ground, which makes me pee myself. And then. And as a finale, you get to watch like the struggle of them getting back up. It really is a treat to see. And I've uh, I've been fortunate enough to see many chair breaks in my day. Um, But even though my mother um, taking a dive into the Christmas tree was like the highlight of my year, I'm still sort of like over Christmas this year. I don't feel really like talking about it to be honest like I absolutely love Christmas time my family and I get wasted on Christmas Eve and open our gifts and I always work on Christmas day so I want to get to bed like at a decent hour but then 2 a.m rolls around and we still haven't opened gifts because my mom is like seven Ryan Cokes deep and can't feel her mouth and dad's beating himself up because he didn't buy enough kielbasa for the party and I've now turned into like this raging cunt because I'm exhausted and my buzz is now gone and I just want to open fucking presents so I can get the fuck to bed but we can't because my brother is stoned and the wrapping paper is like sensory overload for him it's a wonderful time but this year I just feel more anxious about it than anything because I have like no idea what to get anybody mostly because I have like no money so either I have to buy my gifts at the dollar store or I have to make my gifts so Basically, everyone is getting like really shitty gifts or a picture of me and you in a macaroni noodle frame or something. 
So instead, I decided to just watch a holiday movie and critique it because I'm antisocial and I'm pessimistic. So sitting in my room watching fun family holiday movies and pointing out everything wrong with them is right up my alley. So I chose to do a movie that a lot, a lot of you know and love, and that's The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. So the movie starts off at Tim Allen's office and they're having their big annual Christmas party, which was sort of lame because there was no in-office sex whatsoever, which is like completely not believable. Like Staff holiday parties are the number one place people are most likely to start an affair and everyone knows it too. Like Sandra starts wearing her skirt a little higher around the office come December just to let everyone know she's game for some like elevator blowjobs or a quick bend over the desk. And I know this because not only is it most likely a fact proven by Stats Canada, but I also used to be on student council in college, which meant that I had my own office and I also knew a lot of guys with offices and I was a little bit of a loosey-goosey so instead of using my in-office time putting pen to paper I mostly spent it putting dick to badge and I also know this uh, holiday staff party uh, sex statistic because I've seen Die Hard and it's a pretty good representation of real life. Also, if you haven't seen the porn version of Die Hard, which is called This Ain't Die Hard XXX, then I suggest you do so because it is quite the roller coaster ride, if I do say so myself. Uh, two thumbs up on that one. Um, speaking of roller coaster rides and offices, um, have you ever tried having sex in an office chair? Like, it is hard guys. I tried straddling a guy once while he was sitting in an office chair and I got my leg caught in one of the armrests so then I just tried giving him like a blowjob while he was sitting in the chair but then he just kept rolling backwards and I'd have to inch up and eventually it became just too much physical work. Like when I give a blowjob I like to know what I'm in for. Like I know which muscles I have to stretch like to get ready to use like mouth, hands, and arms. Uh, sometimes I'm muscles if you're the type to close your eyes real tight until it's over which if you are I can't even blame you because staring at a tuft of pubes just coming toward your face and away from your face for like 10 to 20 minutes depending on skill level makes me cut a cross eye it's like uh, one of those magic eye puzzles that used to be in the Saturday morning paper. Like, you know, the ones that look like uh, like a picture of a fuzzy television screen and then you move it toward and away from your face until you see a 3D image appear in it. Well, it's like same thing when giving a bead, right? Like when I close my eyes and then open them during a blowjob and then I start seeing shapes in their pubes and it's like, oh, my God, it's like it's like a sailboat, like like. There's a fucking sailboat in your pubes. And I also like to close my eyes because uh, penises are just like straight up ugly. Like, I don't mind blowjobbing at all, but like, they're ugly, right? It's it's like eating a plate of Chinese food. It looks like the shit I take after a night of drinking and Taco Bell, but it tastes fucking delicious. So, you know, you just close your eyes and put it in your mouth, right? But anyway, um, back to the Santa Claus. So... I uh, I knew once I saw Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond that there would probably be no office sex in this movie because he doesn't seem to be the type to be in a movie like that. And he's also 100, so no one wants to see like a 100-year-old naked body. Unless it's Harrison Ford's. I probably would be okay with a naked Harrison Ford. 
Uh, so then you see uh, Tim Allen driving home because his ex-wife is dropping off his son, Charlie. And the song Sweet Silver Bells is playing. And I'm sorry, but Sweet Silver Bells is the creepiest fucking song ever. To me, it doesn't really give off like a Christmassy vibe whatsoever. It's more of like a running away from a vicious rapist type feel. Like, don't you agree? Like, it's scary music. It's non-joyful to say the least. Instead of like sounds of bells, the song should be like about a rape whistle. Like, loudly they blow, let people know, cry out in fear, rapists is here, scary, scary, scary rapists, scary, scary, scary rapists. But again, that's just my opinion. Uh, that song is actually on my work playlist and it always just like stresses me out when it comes on because it's a very fast paced tune. So it always makes me feel like I have to work harder. And if I don't finish these 10 lattes by the time the song's over, then like the place is going to blow up or something. I just don't like that song. Then in the movie, okay, you see a bunch of kids looking into like the window of a toy store and one little girl turns around and you see her elf ears and then she just sort of runs away. So first of all, how has nobody noticed that there's an elf running loose among the children? There's people everywhere and nobody noticed that her ears look like Jay Leno's chin. Like, I just don't buy it. Also, she randomly runs away into the dark streets of Illinois to make matters worse. It's while Sweet Silver Bells is playing. So her risk of getting raped increases by like 104%. Also, is nobody wondering where this girl's parents are? Like, she looks to be 11 and she's all alone. So I don't understand how that wasn't an issue. And then I wondered why she was even there in the first place, looking into the window of a toy shop instead of back at the North Pole. Like, it's fucking Christmas Eve. Wouldn't Santa's workshop have, like, an all-hands-on-deck type situation going on that night? Like, I work at a coffee shop, and I'm not allowed to book any time off during the holidays because of how busy it gets. So how did this bitch get the night off on Christmas Eve? Like, she better be on bereavement leave or something because I'm sure the other elves were probably, like, pissed right off. Like, I can picture them standing around, like, the eggnog cooler, all like, I've been working at Santa's workshop for 156 fucking years, and never have I ever had a Christmas Eve off, and fucking Susie comes along, like, oh, Santa, I'd really like to visit my family in Illinois for Christmas, like, mind if I have the day off, and Santa's like, yeah, sure, no problem, enjoy your time off, start back again in January, like, I have a fucking family, too, I have a fucking life, too, think I can get a Christmas Eve off no fucking way not for winston like fuck this i'm fucking quitting but then winston realizes he's an elf and he has limited job opportunities so he pretty much has no choice but to shut his mouth and just do his job until he dies just like real life unless maybe Susie was doing some like undercover work like creeping the toy store so she could like size up the competition maybe see what's new and hip so the elves could get like ahead of the curve back at the workshop then in that case that's brilliant and I respect their competition research development plan so then Tim Allen gets home and he's greeted by his son Charlie who is just the most 
irritating piece of shit ever to be featured in a movie except arnie from what's eating gilbert grape who's a close runner up like i could not stand that little fucker like i stood up and cheered during the scene where johnny depp just slaps the fuck out of him and that may sound harsh but if you can sit through what's eating gilbert grape without wanting to strangle leonardo dicaprio at least once then you have the patience of a saint my friend of a saint so anyway Aside from Charlie, you also meet Tim Allen's ex-wife who has a haircut that just screams like, I am a cunt. Like, you see that short bob with the straight across bangs and you just know she's the type to want to speak to the manager about the lack of kid-friendly options at a fast food place. And she's just like a raging bitch at the PTA meetings. Also, I know this movie was made in the 90s, but I could fit probably three adult men inside her pants. Then there's Neil, the ex-wife's new boyfriend, who wears sweaters that look like children's finger paintings. I remember when my dad used to wear sweaters like that when I was younger. I told him he looked gay, and he stopped wearing them. Uh, like When your six-year-old tells you that you look gay in a sweater, you should probably take that comment very seriously. Not that being or looking gay is a bad thing, but back then people weren't, you know, as sensitive as the tip of an uncircumcised penis. And you could say that someone looked gay in something and only offend that person wearing it instead of a whole activist group. And besides, gay guys would never even wear a sweater like that because they have taste. So now Charlie is stuck at his single father's house for Christmas Eve and he's all pissy about it because he's a selfish little asshole. Then there's the scene where it shows the delicious feast on the television. Then it scrolls over to like Tim Allen who's doing the best he can by cooking a nice meal when he accidentally burned it. But hey, like he's trying, right? Better than craft dinner or food stamps. You know what I'm saying? I give the guy a fucking break. But yeah, when they show the feast on television, every time I watch this movie, I get horny as fuck because that food looks so damn delicious and I just want to smother it on my own body and just lick it off my own titties. So yeah, Tim Allen burns a turkey. So then they got to head over to Denny's. So at this point, Charlie is already annoying the shit out of me, but then my irritation was just taken to a whole other level when they pull into the Denny's parking lot and he's like, I don't want to eat here. And I'm like, you don't want to eat here? Like, excuse me, you little punk-ass bitch. But A, it's Christmas Eve. Nothing else is open. B, are you paying for the meal? Because unless you are, I suggest you shut your little turd mouth and eat whatever the fuck your hardworking dad buys you. And C, Denny's is fucking delicious. If you don't like eating at Denny's, then you got a fucking problem. This movie was before the whole, like, terrorism inflicted upon the world via gluten-free eaters and vegans who are more annoying than Leonardo DiCaprio once eating Gilbert Grape. So clearly, Charlie just had an attitude problem. It wasn't about the Denny's. There was something much deeper here. I'm guessing it was probably his parents' divorce or something. So then when he orders his chocolate milk and the waitress tells him they're out, he's all like, plain milk's fine. Like, like he's so inconvenienced by this plain milk. Like, sorry, first world asshole child that you have, like, can't have 700 calories of pure sugar added to your wholesome milk for bedtime, you little shit. 
So then later that night, Charlie and Tim Allen go to bed, and then in the middle of the night is when they hear Stan up on the roof, and they go check it out, and he falls off the roof into the front lawn. And first of all, in the movie, Tim Allen lives in, like, a duplex split townhouse type thing. And how did the people sharing a roof with him not hear Santa? And then how did they not hear all the commotion outside? Like, nobody is that heavy of a sleeper, unless you're me, after a Z Colada, which consists of Z-Quil, chamomile tea, and vodka. So then Santa falls off the roof and he just randomly disappears. Like, like where did he go? Did he die? Because this is a children's movie and that's pretty traumatic in my opinion. Like, there's no office sex or little girl elves being raped, but Santa Claus dying, you know, is fair game, right? So then they go up on the roof and they discover the reindeer, which is when Comet farts. And that one's always my favorite part as a child because I really connected with Comet and his gaseousness. And um, Charlie's all like, Dad, put on the suit and let's fly the sleigh. And Tim Allen's like, no, Charlie. And Charlie's like, we never do what I want to do. And I'm like, well, here we fucking go again. We got another Denny situation on our hands. So then they end up getting the sleigh to fly, but are having some trouble steering. So they end up riding down the street in the sleigh, passing a truck driver who's like, what the fuck? And you know what? Like, I'd like to see a spinoff to this movie that follows the life of this truck driver after he sees a flying sleigh being carried by reindeer. Like, the rest of his life was probably just really fucked up. Like, he probably questioned his sanity, and he swore to keep what he saw to himself, like a secret, but then he couldn't hold it any longer, and he had to tell some people, which landed him in, like, an insane asylum, and I think that would be, like, a really neat angle to follow, but maybe that's just my opinion. So... They deliver the presents, and they head back to the North Pole, and, okay, when they arrive, all the elves are just, like, so casual. Like, do they not give a shit that the old Santa died in, like, a tragic slip-and-fall accident? There's a scene where the elves are just kind of staring at Tim Allen for a second, and it just shows, like, a bunch of different elves, showcases the black one and the fat Mexicans, so you know that Santa's workshop doesn't discriminate when hiring, and then they're back on their merry way. Like, how about maybe a moment of silence or something for the dead Santa? Just seems really insensitive, especially around the holidays. So then they meet Bernard, uh, the head elf, who is like, okay, like, I would bone him hard. Like, I've had a crush on him since the first time I watched this movie, and still today, I would probably sit on his face. So, Bernard is all like, okay, so you're the new Santa, yada, yada, yada. Then he meets Charlie, and within 10 seconds, he gives Charlie this, like, very old, sentimental crystal ball, and is like, okay, dude, like, uh... I wait longer to sleep with someone and my vagina is definitely not as valuable as an ancient crystal ball, but what the hell, right? Like, here you go. So they stay the night in the North Pole and magically wake up back at home and Tim Allen is all having like a panic attack wondering if it was a dream or not and Charlie's like, Dad, are you having a heart attack? I know CPR. And I'm like, you're 10. You don't fucking know CPR. But, you know, thanks, Charlie, because that was the first helpful thing that you've said this whole movie. So Tim Allen is still in denial that he's Santa Claus, even though his physical appearance starts to shape that of Santa, and he gets all fat like me after eat one slice of watermelon, and he has to wear sweatpants to work, and then there's a scene where he shaves, and then four seconds later, he grows like a full beard. And I'm like, this is exactly how my vagina hair behaves, and I've also given up on myself, and I wear sweatpants in public. Like, I've never felt more comforted knowing I wasn't alone. 
So then he's at Charlie's soccer game looking all Santa-like and kids start lining up to sit on his lap to tell him what they want for Christmas. And okay, if a creepy looking man with a beard is sitting alone at a children's soccer game with a random kid sitting on his lap, I'd maybe think child predator and I would probably call the cops, but no, nobody did. So again, I'm question, questioning where like all these kids' parents are. They can't all be deadbeats who missed a big important soccer game because they had a work meeting but actually were banging their secretary in a Motel 6. So yeah, Tim Allen's ex-wife and her homo boyfriend Neil show up at the game and see this and they get all concerned and then the next thing you know, Tim Allen loses custody of Charlie, which in my opinion, the movie should have just ended there because I can see no other ending that would be as joyous as that. So the ex-wife is all like, Neil, when did you stop believing Santa? And Neil's all like, oh, the one year I asked for a Oscar Mayer wiener whistle and I didn't get it. And I'm like, fuck, this guy gets gayer by the second. What he really wants is Oscar Mayer wiener in his butthole. So then, for some reason, Tim Allen actually wants to be around his kids. So he comes to his senses and he accepts that he's Santa Claus and then he kidnaps Charlie and then the cops are after him. So now this has turned into like an episode of Criminal Minds. So Tim Allen brings Charlie to the North Pole to get his sleigh and there's that scene where they're all like geared up for the big Christmas Eve delivery and they're walking in slow motion down the hall with the elves and the song Give Me All Your Lovin' by ZZ Top's playing and they do that little choreographed dance move. It's just so fucking badass. Can't even handle it. I always love that part. So then they go do some maintenance on the sleigh and I'm like, it's fucking Christmas Eve. You could have done maintenance on it. Any other day, any other day of the year, but you had to choose to wait till now to add in a cocoa cookie dispenser. Like, procrastination at its finest, people. So, they deliver uh, the presents, and Tim Allen thinks it's a good idea to go deliver some to Charlie's house, even though you just kidnapped the child that lives there. So, obviously, the cops catch him and throw him in jail, causing the effective liberating flight squad, which is an army of elves that can fly, to come save him. So the squad wasn't there in the beginning for when Santa fell off the roof and died. But when Santa breaks his restraining order and kidnaps a child and ends up in jail, it's totally cool to help a brother out. So they use their magic tinsel that cuts through the metal to get him out. And he goes back to drop Charlie off where his ex-wife and gay Neil see that he's the real Santa. And then the cunty haircut lady throws the custody papers in the fire. And Neil gets his weenie whistle. And then he probably put his weenie whistle inside his butt and everything was fine and dandy. So, what I've learned from this movie overall is that, one, it's okay to have random children sit on your dick at a children's soccer game, break restraining orders, steal children, and break into people's homes as long as you bring a gift. And two, not all the uh, office parties involve fucking your boss, apparently. And three, Denny's is open on Christmas. And then four, children are assholes. So I hope you've enjoyed my breakdown of this classic holiday favorite. I hope from the bottom of my heart that you have just a really happy and really safe holiday. That you consume lots of food and booze. And remember, I'm here to make you feel better about yourself. When Chelsea Grace, problem at a time. Bye.